With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I find it hard to think of the concept of what that would be like if a team was as bad at hitting as the Jays were and knew what was coming. (laughs) Have that on your business card if you're Carlos Beltran, undefeated manager of the New York Mets. Yeah. Please don't look that up. And welcome to episode number 164 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we think cheating is too much like hard work. I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined tonight by Joshua Housem. Josh, how's it out there in Toronto land? It's cold. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that came up on us real quick. Finally, like January showed up in the middle of January. Yeah. Uh, It is traditionally a slow time of year for Major League Baseball, but we have news. Oh, do we have news? Uh, We do have Blue Jays news. We have um, uh, Yamaguchi uh, introduced by the Blue Jays. Um, We have Sean Reed Foley. Uh, We're talking about his future and where it will be in the bullpen or the starting rotation. Um, We have some word from the front office of what happens for the rest of the offseason. Goodbye, Richard Urena, until we see you in a Orioles uniform. Uh, and a minor league deal for Ruben Tejada. So a little, you know, cleaning up pieces, getting ready for spring training. Uh, then we have your questions, most of which I feel like are going to pertain to what's been going on in the rest of baseball, which is uh, the roof blew off with a cheating scandal. Uh, I would like to plug our Patreon here because we, I think when we recorded the Extra Pellets Patreon at www.patreon.com slash turfpod, if you want to check out the content there, um... I think when we recorded that, we sort of sort of thought it would be kind of a like a footnote to the season, didn't we? Well, I think we thought that you know the punishment would come down, and then we'd move on. <laughs> <laughs> As we're going to discuss later, that's not what happened. No, so the the Patreon uh, segment is uh, sort of a a brief, incomplete history of cheating in baseball, um, which we had fun talking about. So if you want, you could check that out. Um, now. Before we launch into the Blue Jays news and everything, I I didn't have a chance because we were running a little late beforehand. I wanted to run, maybe we need new theme music for the show, Josh. So I just want two pieces I'm trying to choose from, and I'm really hung up on the two. So can you just give a listen here and let me know? (laughs) Sure. Okay, so number one... Okay, which I think, you know, I think that's, you know, it's topical, right? And and it's kind of catchy. Or, if you prefer...
Note the Louisville Sluggers included in the second one. So that's kind of ties in. I think you open with that one and you go through our, <laughs> our interlude with the second one. Okay. All right. So everybody knows, um, you know, what's coming up. <laughs> well, what came up. <laughs> uh, I'd be honest. I'm probably not going to use those for copyright reasons. But uh, yeah, I think, I think uh, there's been so much going on in the world of baseball. But first, a word from our Blue Jays who... Are, are bringing, with the serious intentions of another starting pitcher, uh, a veteran from Japan. This seems uh, kind of crazy in a way. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Yamaguchi when the deal was first reported, I guess, because it wasn't official forever. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's very significant that they've made this investment in Japan. I, I think that it's, it's kind of hard to overstate you know the what it could mean because you know a lot of really talented players not only have come but are supposed to be coming in the next year or so and proving to them that you care and you're actually willing to do the work and sign their players i think is a good sign there have been a lot of times where the blue jays have made noise about you know making inroads in japan and 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 making a concerted effort to have an asian in general scouting division that was going to be making an impact but we really didn't i mean we saw um one japanese player and he was already in north america when they signed him and he was certainly just a role player yeah i mean that that's kind of been the case throughout the, the jays history <clears throat> getting these players they haven't had not had many but they've been stateside already stateside north america side uh so yeah signing a player directly out of japan you know it wasn't a lot of money, two years, six point three million. But you know, it's a major league deal, multi-year deal for a Japanese player. And you know, he's thirty-two, so he wasn't going to get much more than that. But now they can, they they've shown that they're willing to do it, and they have that relationship, so they might be able to get the young guy for more money next time. And they, you know, any kind of avenue you can open up to getting players, especially ones who won't have necessarily a bias about coming to Canada, I think is a good thing to do. I think it won't hurt either to have uh, the Japanese media then covering the Blue Jays as a as a team, right? Because they have a tendency to talk about players who've uh, moved to the major leagues um, in the context of where they are, and that's going to get the Blue Jays. Maybe they don't have much visibility in in Japan. You know, is is it really just the West Coast teams and the Yankees that a Japanese player or fan thinks about when they think about the MLB? Well, I think that's a really good point about the media because even this even came up during Yamaguchi's press conference where they asked him, you know, about player major league hitters, and he said like the last one he remembered was Mark McGuire <laughs> because wow. he was watching. Well, because he hasn't watched major league baseball in a long time, and he, when he was younger, he was watching Hideo Nomo with all the Japanese coverage of Nomo's starts, and that was during McGuire's heyday. Right. So it's the same idea that these young players could grow up watching some Blue Jays and maybe like, hey, I want to come over to the Jays when the, when I get to move to the big leagues. Oh, at least to be on their radar, right? Yeah, exactly. Because, um, yeah, I mean, for all they know, the, the Blue Jays could operate like a AAA organization. Until you see them in action performing well, you don't know. Yep. So and gets- the same thing applies with just, you know, with Ryu and Korea. But now the Jays have a – there was – no Blue Jays presence in Korea, and now like their hats are selling out everywhere because they have Ryu. So this general idea of making inroads in markets that 
they didn't have before is always good. It was like with the Jays in the Dominican Republic back in the 70s and the 80s. Yeah, the bigger the talent pool, the better chance you have of finding a good uh, fit in that talent pool for you. So, yep. Cool. Uh, he'll wear a number one. Yeah. <laughs> a pitcher who wears number one. And I, you know my stance on pitchers and single-digit numbers. <laughs> I don't like it. Maybe he's trying to say he can play a little shortstop. Well, the last guy who wore it was Alan Hansen, so he probably won't hit any worse. Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> had to get the dig in to, to poor Alan Hansen. I did, apparently. Oh, uh, my goodness. And, and, and thanks to Minor Leaguer with, for the research, he's the first pair with him and Ryu. They're the first pair of teammates to wear numbers one and 99 as pitchers. And that's random. That, that's sure what is. that is. Okay. And only the, only the 11th set of teammates at all, regardless of position, to have a one and a, and a 99. I wonder how many of those were Manny Ramirez. <laughs> or Turk Wendell. Uh, okay. Sean Reed Foley. Well, one second. Just, we, could just, we should just discuss that you know, Yamaguchi is supposed to be coming in and working to try to win a job in the rotation which when we you know we weren't sure what his role was going to be but that was what they announced at the press conference he's not necessarily going to get it right know, because they have guys competing for that fifth spot but he's there, there is no plan to put him in the bullpen he's going to be stretched out is what we're saying until yep. he proves he can't do it speaking of sean reed foley has he proved <laughs> i mean i'm not being nice here but has he not proved at this point that whatever he's doing is not quite ready for prime time in the starting rotation yeah, he's uh, <laughs> John Reed Foley. He's had some very good outings and some, you know, a lot more really short walk filled outings. And, you know, I guess the thought was is like, okay, you know, he, he's not old, he's only 24. But the thought would have been like, okay, now that with especially what they've got all these other starting pitchers, you know, they've got the, the four locked guys. And then they've got you know, Yamaguchi, K, Zoik, Thornton, Wagasback. No, I'm just talking about the guys that are fighting for the fifth spot. Okay. Yeah, Shoemaker, Anderson, Ryu, and Rourke are, are locks. But then you got all these other guys fighting for the fifth spot. So they're like, oh, maybe they'll put Reed Foley in the pen where his stuff can play up a little bit. But nope. <laughs> do you remember David Percy? I do remember David Percy. Does Sean Reed Foley give you the David Percy vibe? That's interesting. The right-handed David Percy? Sure. The the walk-filled, um, we're just going to keep putting him in the starting rotation because we're committed to a draft pick of ours. <laughs> yeah, the, well, the thing is, the Jays, after two, the first two seasons of, you know, not doing well in short bursts, they stuck him in the pen and he wasn't bad. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I understand the try and keep a starting pitcher as long as possible, but like you said, you've got four. He's a really weird guy to add to the fifth spot, but hey. And what's also interesting about that is the Jays have a lot of guys that are going to need to be starting in AAA too. Right. So some of these guys got to go to the pen or get traded, right? Yeah, exactly. So can I move to the get traded part? Go for it. So we went to the front office at the beginning of the season and they sent a whole bunch of mixed signals about what they were going to do, but it was going to be some big impactful stuff. Um, they signed Hyunjin Ryu, which qualifies as a big impact. Uh, and now they're sending different signals. Are the signals any clearer, do you think? 
Yeah, I think the singles are really clear now. <laughs> Finally, we got here. <laughs> no yeah, more free I mean, agent it, signing. Yeah, well, I mean, not major ones. Ross, Ross Atkins was asked this question at uh, Yamaguchi's introductory presser, and he basically said, like, well, you know, they'll probably sign like a reliever or two, you know, towards spring training as they've done each of the last few years for cheaper deals. But impact moves from this point on are going to have to come via trade. It's interesting he did not rule out any more moves in terms of significant moves. Yeah, and I think that's the right play, too, because you never know when a team's going to be like, you know what? Yeah, I will move this guy or, you know, because they, really they should be constantly trying to get good young players and, you know, see what the right deal is. You know, whether it's Francisco Lindor or player you haven't heard of, I don't really care, but someone who can make an impact. See what the trade cost is. If it's all, it's like the Donaldson trade. Like no one ever thought in any world that Josh Donaldson would get traded with four years of control left for what he got traded for. Sometimes GMs just say yes, <laughs> you know. So, and sometimes GMs going into spring training think they have one kind of team, and then someone gets hurt, or um, you know, someone isn't in shape, and suddenly they're trying to move an asset or acquire an asset where they didn't think they had a hole, right? And they don't know that until they see who shows up to camp. Yeah. And I, I think that's really true. I mean, and I can specifically said like, we're going to be keep trying to do this until the trade deadline. It's not okay. We're going till opening day and then we're locked. It's like, no, 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 we're going to keep working this Yeah, because Stuff roster situations change, as you said. All right. Uh, we lost the legend himself, Richard Urena. Yeah. We're going to pour one out for your homie there. No. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so Rainio was DFA'd, I can't remember, with one of these free agent signings. <laughs> there was a few of them. It matters yeah. not. It, it Correct. And so it was just a question of where he was going to end up, and I think he ended up with the most logical fit. <laughs> yeah. It's like the Orioles could be like, sure, we'll see if you can actually somehow maybe learn to hit at some point or, you know, have the defensive wizardry that you were supposed to have and never showed in the big leagues. But why, you know, we're going to lose 110 games anyway, so... Who cares how we do it? Yeah, I don't know. I can't really add to that. That's that's the whole spirit of the move, right? Let's yeah, see. Yeah, and I think yeah, and and from the Jays' perspective, cutting him made sense because well, they don't need him at this point. You know, they've they've got a shortstop who's locked in, and they have Brandon Drury to fill in at second and third if they need to, and Shaw can fill in at second and third if they need to, and they have Espinal to play short. I mean, they've got guys, so. You know, was superfluous. And the Blue Jays picked up Ruben Tejada. What do I need to know about Ruben Tejada as we go into spring training as a minor league invitee? Well, so I think the very first thing that one needs to know mm -hmm. is that he's really not very good. I think that's usually sort of that signed to minor league deal that you've written down here <laughs> is indicative of, <laughs> of yeah. that part of his character <laughs> yeah i mean he's, he's not not good <laughs> he's he's been a utility player for his career who doesn't hit very well now he has always had decent plate discipline which you know when it comes to the blue jays that's not really a thing you know he, he does take walks but he doesn't really do anything else he doesn't hit for average he doesn't hit for power so he's just kind of like extreme depth at middle infield which is fine you know it's good to have that yeah i mean can he play short still I think so. Because I mean, you do have to have the backup shortstop for the backup shortstop 
if the shortstop gets hurt, right? Yeah, I mean, he was never a great shortstop, but, you know, he and at times he was terrible. But I think that as the what you just described, he can handle it. Fair enough. All right. That's the little bit of Jay's news we have. Um, it seems relatively tame compared to the, the roiling chaos that is the rest of Major League Baseball at the moment. So we're going to... What and now? Sorry, I forgot one thing. This is my fault. I screwed Greg up because I didn't put it on on our outline. <laughs> There's a list. There, <laughs> yeah, there is. We we don't just do this as we go, uh, which might surprise people at times. But uh, we forgot that they're going to be introducing some new uniforms. Yeah, are we? Like, is it going to be powder blues for sure? Is that what they're saying? It's nothing is for sure. They're introducing. We're recording this Friday. They're going to introduce them tomorrow morning, first day of Winterfest. Can you hear my excitement? Is it coming through yeah. the microphone? It's loud and clear. Yeah, it just it's a note. It's not. I don't think it's anything <laughs> that needs to be more than that. Well, we were pretty excited when they went back to the traditional J. Well, I think as long as they whatever they do is an alternate, then I don't care what they do. If they replace the the current jerseys, then I will not be happy. Yeah. It, it, don't mark with what you have because it's one of the nicest jerseys in MLB but if you need to sell more yeah go nuts whatever yep <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, we will take a break now and we'll come back with your questions and uh, the Astros Red Sox and how many people can you uh, get fired in one week over the same reason and we'll be right back We have returned, and we've returned with what uh, I'm sure most of you listeners view as the most important segment, your questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Mm, one time, one time only for the question. So, from Curtis Butcher, he asked a couple questions. Number one. Should Hudgens be punished? And potentially, how bad were the 2019 Jays if they were cheating? So, to the first part, I mean, probably. <laughs> he was the hitting coach. How could he not be fully aware of what was going on with the signs dealing there? It, it kind of defies logic. But he was not named in the report. And it seems that anybody who was not named is going to escape any kind of punishment. So like Espada and you know, the other coaches there, like they're fine, except Cora, who was, you know, thrown completely under the bus, <laughs> which we'll get to. Now, uh, the Blue Jays were grouped in, by someone as was one of the teams possibly using cheating methods. And then, I mean, you have to look at that offensive production for the answer to the question. <laughs> that Curtis poses, which is how bad were the Jays if they were cheating in some way? Well, I think they were fourth last in baseball and on base percentage. So <laughs> abysmal at cheating. Like they may, maybe they were reverse cheating. I find it hard to think of the concept of what that would be like if a team was as bad at hitting as the Jays were and knew what was coming. <laughs> They couldn't handle yes. the stress of knowing what was coming. 
Yeah. I mean, they were, so they were actually, they weren't as bad as I thought they were in chase percentage. They were right in the middle of the pack at 15th, 31.8%. But, you know, like, if you know what's coming, you shouldn't chase that much. The, the 50th percentile is not where cheating should take you. No. Uh, so, yeah, they were abysmal. They were epically abysmal, to, to, to put it another way, if they were actually cheating. Yep. Uh, second question from Josh at J Treats. That's Treats with a Z. How would you react if this had been the Jays? Caught trick cheating, presumably. Currently find it very interesting as an outsider and as a fan of a team that didn't lose to the Astros. Oh, we lost to the Astros plenty. Um, <laughs> but I feel bad for Astros fans. I mean, we didn't lose anything significant to them. Fair, tough, but fair. <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing. Like, if it had happened to the Jays, the Jays had been, you know, caught in the same scandal as the Astros... It would really suck to lose draft picks when you're rebuilding or you're where the Jays are, right? The penalty would be actually far more severe than it is for Houston, who picks at the back of the draft. But <coughs> when it comes to like the you know the the concept of anything being tainted, the Jays have sucked since 2017. So it'd be like it'd be embarrassing because like if they were cheating and still so bad, like we were just joking about, then it would be like my goodness, these guys are terrible. And we'll never win, but it wouldn't be as much of like, you know, we did this, we won a World Series after years of tanking, and now that World Series is tainted? Well, what if it turned out that someone found real evidence that the Jays cheated in 2015? Then it'd be like, good for them, because it wasn't explicitly forbidden by the league. What, the electronic cheating specifically? Yeah, so it's always been sort of against the rules, but the Red Sox did it in 2017, just got a small fine. And then it was like, nobody can do this anymore. Like, like this is very much against the rules. If you do it after this, you're punished. So, so the Jays did it in 2015. Like, good for them. <laughs> if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Um, it's like, look, it's really bad. <laughs> and, and it gets at the heart of the integrity of the game and all that. But if, I wouldn't care as much if someone got caught beforehand, even though I would say it was like, you know, it was pretty shady. It wouldn't affect my joy as much, I don't think. I would be off put to find out my cheat. My team was embroiled. This is in the spirit of the question of of being if your team was caught up in a cheating schedule scandal after they had won something important. I would be. I would have a tough time the following year, even watching the team. I'll be honest. That's fair. I that's that's true. Like the, the it is hard to look at the players that are on the roster the same way, knowing that what they've been doing and what you've been paying for has been dishonest. Yeah. It tainted. It's just like, that's, that's not what I paid for. Right. Like <laughs> that's not how I wanted to be entertained. If if I wanted something that was a fix, I would go fire up MLB the show and I would, you know, punch in some cheat codes or, or download some files and I would play that. What's really interesting about this is, you know, we're going to get into this in much more depth. The Astros are really good still, and they're probably the best team in the American League West. Yeah, but now they're they're definitely going to have all eyes on them. So it will be interesting to see. I mean, they're obviously going to take a step back because just like the Red Sox took a step back in 2019 or was there their historic year? Yeah, in 2019 from 2018, the Red Sox took a big step back with a roster that did not look remarkably different from the one prior um so i don't expect that every step back the astros take is going to be because they got caught cheating but on the flip side 
some of that is going to come back to, you know, how good are they really now that they're going to be watched like a hawk? Yep. Okay, next question. Zab Brannigan. Yep. Do you think Montoyo lasts longer than the end of next season, 2021? I feel like we've answered questions like this before. Does no one like this guy? Or is he just here to get through the lean years to be replaced when the team really expects to be challenging for a title? I think he's here for a while. I, 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 he's their handpicked guy, right? Yep. They they joined in 2016 and they stuck it out with Gibbons for three years and they finally got to pick a manager. This is the guy they wanted. So I think he's got a long leash. Yeah, uh, it was the Astros, though, who fired their rebuild manager once they got good, right? That's true. They did. Uh, but the Jays were not a super tank job. Like, I mean, no. they, when the Jays hired Montoyo, they expected to be good in 2020 or 2021. Like, that was the idea, mm. right? Yeah. Whereas the Astros knew they were going to be bad for four years. Yeah. Uh, and Curtis Butcher's second question. Serious yeah, I'll question. Read it to you. Oh, yes. Okay. Is there serious question? Is there any way Pearson can crack the lineup? A non-serious answer, no, because he's going to be trying to crack the rotation and he can't hit worth a lick. Would you like to answer the serious question? So here's the funny thing about that: if he makes the rotation, their third and fourth games of the season are on the road in an NL park. Oh no! <laughs> so he could crack the lineup. <laughs> Baseball is um, complicated. It is. I had to look that up after, after this question because I thought it was very funny. Um, I would be very surprised if Nate Pearson made the opening day rotation. Now, his upside is better than everybody in the rotation, in, including Hyunjin Ryu. But well, yes, because nobody else in the rotation throws like 104 miles an hour. Right. And, and you know, Nate 20 Pearson, what? <laughs> right, exactly. So Nate Pearson is... You know, he's 23, but he hasn't thrown very much in the minors because he had that weird fluke injury the year before where he got the comebacker off his arm. So he threw 100 innings last year and only 18 of them in Buffalo. So given all his lack of innings, service time games, which have to be mentioned, I would say that he's probably up around May or so, even unless he absolutely dominates all the way through spring training. Scorchers from Nate. That's what we want to see. Yeah. 100% of the time. All right. Time for the Astro Fiasco, which is uh, a wrestler in Mexico that I just made up. The whole thing gets a do-over. All right. What would I do different? Well, well, I've never actually made a mistake. There have been a few, let's call them, stananks. That could be worthy of a do-over. Alex Cora, that first sentence sounds like something that is going on in Alex Cora's mind every day. <laughs> what would I do different? <laughs> yeah, not just his head. <laughs> At least he got to manage a couple years. Yeah, not like Carlos Beltran. <laughs> oh my god, okay. So let's just break down for those of you who may have been in a cave, which is a perfectly legitimate place to be at this time of year when you're a baseball fan. Yeah. The Astros were handed a punishment for cheating in 2018. Not any other time, correct? No, sort of. And the end of 2017, because the, okay. 
Yeah, because the the, the memo came out in mid September, and he did it all through the playoffs. So, and that was for having a method briefly where there was a garbage can and a video monitor in the dugout area, just out of sight, um, which was sending signals to the batter by an audio alert in real time, which is illegal because they were using a monitor to do it. Yeah, and then banging in trash cans for the audio signal that is going in real time. But yes. Okay, so that was what they did wrong. And then the penalty handed down by Major League Baseball was a $5 million fine to the Houston Astros, which is a hilariously small joke, but that's okay. It's also the max, though. Also hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I think it's worth mentioning, though, that like it was the max penalty they can give. It's insane that five million. But, you know, it's the commissioner who works for the owners. Of course, that's going to be in the max. But anyway, continue. Uh, the general manager was uh, suspended for a year. The manager was suspended for a year. And the assistant GM was put on baseball's ineligible list. And traffic's. And yes, one first round in 2020 and one first round in 2021. First and second both years. First and second both years. Um, and then the further fallout, which got really interesting, is that then the Astros fired the general manager. They fired the manager. The Boston Red Sox, whose manager was the bench coach who was responsible for a bunch of this stuff, fired their manager. And the Mets, whose manager hadn't even managed a game, the most Mets thing ever that their yep. manager stepped down. Yeah. <laughs> hey, undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> Have that on your business card if you're Carlos Beltran. Undefeated manager of the New York Mets. Yeah. Please don't look that up. <laughs> <laughs> That notification is on the business card. Please don't look that up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A little, a little footnote. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it's, it was a circus. Um, so just starting with the Astros, because they're the reason for all this. AJ Hinch basically said, yeah, I screwed up. Like, I did some things to try to stop it. Like, he broke the monitors twice, but he didn't actually say anything to the players, which is, you know, That's, Is that not the buddy. most passive-aggressive behavior of a manager? <laughs> Sure is. But anyway, at least he said, like, yeah, I screwed up. I should have done this and I didn't. Took his thing, you know, he's still suspended for a year, even though he's been fired. But he can work again next year. Jeff Luna, on the other hand, <laughs> started his statement with, I take full responsibility. And then spent the entire rest of the statement taking no responsibility <laughs> whatsoever for what happened. It was amazing. And even though the report said that he was informed twice that it was happening, he basically threw the entire roster and the manager under the bus. It's like it was all them, but, you know, I'm the GM. It was amazing. It was just such a – it's like now's the time to just say, you know what? It's like we screwed up. Yeah, we shouldn't have done this. We were, we were trying to find an edge and, we, you know, we shouldn't have done it, whatever. Like the, the 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 report called out the culture in that front office of being basically toxic, and then the guy who created it put that out there, and it's like, yeah, I guess you were right. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm 100 as toxic as this claims. Yeah. Uh, nice to see. I feel like the assistant GM who was uh clearly 
a misogynist and uh, went after a reporter who um, was asking, was known to ask questions about Roberto Osuna and domestic violence. He went after her screaming in her face in the playoffs. I feel like he was like something that, that the league was waiting to punish him and thought, oh, this is a good way to get him out of baseball. <laughs> he, yeah, he'd actually already been fired, but yeah, no, but, he's done. But he's on the ineligible list. So it's it's basically like, well, just in case anybody was thinking about this guy. Um, yeah. Nobody's going to talk about the the intricacies of of why he's on the ineligible list because there's so much other crap going on right now. Yep. So Alex Cora was the mastermind, supposedly now, uh, and it cost him his job with the Boston Red Sox. Did not see that coming. Well, here's the thing: Cora was in big trouble regardless because the Red Sox were on, were a second time offender, which is still being investigated. Which why his suspension wasn't announced at the time. Because they're still investigating what they did when he was running that team. And you and I specifically spoke to this idea of if you're cheating and you haven't gotten caught yet, you don't just magically stop cheating. And I think Cora's <laughs> modus operandi 100% backs that up. Yeah. And that's why the people think that the Yankees were doing it when Beltran was the hitting coach there. Or a coach there. I can't remember what his actual role was. So... Yeah, I mean, Cora was – I think Cora was going to get a multi-year suspension. I really do. And so the Red Sox were just like, well, we're not going to wait for this. We're just going to fire this guy now and then, you know. We'll no, Non-Red Sox employee Alex Cora fired. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least Alex Cora was going to get a longer suspension for something he did with Boston. Beltran wasn't even going to get suspended, but he got fired anyway. Which is hard to take, but at the same time, obviously that was going to chase him the whole season. And eventually it's going to come out that he had something to do with something, right? Probably. Yeah, so they just got out ahead of it. And, you know, it's probably better for Beltran's longevity in the game to like step back from this now and then try to come in a year or two, you know, go coach somewhere else maybe for a bit and then just become a manager again when this is kind of behind him. So now the weird stuff I think we can get to. We'll start Which with... Was- Go ahead. Just alternately known as January 16th, 2020. (laughs) So let's start with Jessica Mendoza, because that's what you put on the list first. Yeah, so (laughs) this was something else. So Jessica Mendoza went on multiple shows. I think it was three. Okay. And just to clarify, for those who don't know Jessica Mendoza, she is both simultaneously an ESPN employee and an employee of the Mets. Which, Which is in itself crazy. I don't know how that, now, yeah. how that was ever allowed to happen in the begin with. But I don't get it either. So essentially, she was getting mad at Mike Fire. <laughs> Who, we must remind people, is the only reason this is public. Right. You know, it takes player. This is really important. So we're going to step away from Jessica Mendoza for just a second. Because I think this is really important. Anonymous quotes... You know, sending little notes, sending messages to the league that this kind of stuff is happening. That does squat. It gets people maybe talking about how this might be happening. But real change in baseball does not happen until players speak out on the record. With steroids, it was Caminiti and Canseco that forced all the changes. And with this, it was Mike Fires. Without him putting his name on that story, this doesn't happen. Yeah, and and there's proof of that because like you said – The Oakland A's complained to the league back in 2017 that there was something fishy and they were pretty sure that signs were being stolen. 
and nothing came of it. Literally yeah, nothing. Because once a player puts his name out there, it's like, okay, we have a witness we can speak to on the record about this. And then everybody else has to be honest because uh, it would be really clear what's happening. And, you know, once that story got all the video evidence going, like that broke this whole thing open. So, but Jessica Mendoza did not like it. So back to her. To go public with it and call them out and start all this, it's hard to swallow. It was kind of the poll quote from all of this. Like she basically said, like, it shouldn't have happened this way. Like, he shouldn't have done it. He Basically, he broke the sanctity of the clubhouse, which people rightfully got all over her about. <laughs> no kidding. And then she thought, okay, better do some damage control. Uh-huh. And this is what she put out. Quote, thought it was important to clarify my early remarks about the sign-stealing situation in MLB. Most importantly, I feel strongly that the game of baseball will benefit greatly because the sign-stealing matter was uncovered. Cheating in the game is something that needs to be addressed, and I'm happy to see that the league is taking appropriate action. Good so far. Back to the quote. The point I should have been much more clear was on, on was this. I believe it's very critical that this news was made public. I simply disagree with the manner in which it, that was done. I credit Mike Fires for stepping forward, yet I feel that going directly through your team under MLB... First, could have been a better way to surface the information. Okay, he did those things. <laughs> <laughs> and multiple people have done those things. Yep. Back to the quote. Reasonable minds can disagree. Ultimately, what matters most is that his observations were made public and the game will be better for it. And here's my favorite part. In regards to the Mets, I want to make it extra clear that my advisor role with the team does not shape my opinion in any way, shape, or form on this matter. I feel this way regardless of what teams, players, or managers are involved. Okay, it should be very clearly noted that when she made these comments, Beltran had not been fired yet. <laughs> so the manager of the Mets was like the guy people were talking about. And she put this statement out there, which is completely wrong in pretty much every respect. <laughs> and, uh, you know, basically just a horrible opinion to get angry at the whistleblower. And then she had the, the gall to say it has nothing to do with the team. Yeah, I'm totally not biased by the people who employ me. And then Brody Van Wagenen said, like, he came out and said Jessica Mendoza was speaking as an ESPN analyst, not a member of the Mets. She can't pick. She's both. <laughs> That's how this works. <laughs> it's Thursday. I'm not working for the team. No, no, you're still a representative of the team. You can't work against their interest one day and for their interest the next day and forget you work for them the following day. Like, that's the absurdity of it all to me is like, hey, I'm totally not biased. Yeah, you are biased. Like the the whole the whole point of being a reporter is not necessarily to be unbiased. It's to admit your biases and recuse yourself from having an opinion if you have a conflict. That's how it works in business. It's how it works in politics. There's no reason it shouldn't work that way in journalism. So she shouldn't have said squat at all. When Correct. she got asked a question, she should have said, I'm an employee of the Mets. I really don't feel like I can be unbiased. End of story. Correct. There was even gag orders put out about talking about the punishments. Now, she didn't do that. So technically, she did not violate the gag order. No, she just but, talked about the whistleblower. <laughs> right. It's fine. Like, she just should She should not have said any of this. And, you know, there's talk that it might cost her her job on baseball tonight or Sunday night baseball because, this, you know, this kind of press is not what they wanted. <laughs> Shall we move to wacky aspect number two? Go for it. Altuve and Bregman may have, and there is some evidence of this, and I'm not sure I believe it at this point, may have 
moved up from banging on a trash can to having some sort of buzzer, possibly in a bandage, stuck upon their person under the uniform that went off just before the pitch. This is some science fiction stuff. And then, so this <laughs> this is what turned the, the whole thing. This is what they basically made it all crazy. <clears throat> so this got put out by an account claiming to, that was like pretending to be Carlos Beltran's niece. Um, it Who wasn't. Isn't? <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, it was incarcerated Bob, which is like a notorious like false Twitter news guy. But incarcerated anyway. <clears throat> Bob is tough to describe in one sentence. But uh, it really, he really also is. believed that the Blue Jays had signed you, Darvish, I believe. Lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, and so then in this, I had people like, they're going back to his video of his walk-off against Chapman where he's telling people not to rip off his jersey because he got a buzzer under there. We got pictures of Josh Reddick with a piece of confetti or tape or something on his vid- on his chest from a, an interview people like zooming in on folds in the jerseys <laughs> like the players the, players were doing this the great wrinkle jersey fiasco of the 2019 2020 offseason is not where i saw this going back in october <laughs> no but what's interesting about this though like all of that stuff would be like okay like this is kind of ridiculous but then jj cooper one of the, like, the head of baseball america says yeah i've heard this Joshua Kuznick, who's been on this podcast a few times. Yeah, I've heard this multiple times. Trevor Bauer, you know, he's Trevor Bauer. But yeah, I, he like all of them say like this is stuff that they were pretty sure was actually going on. So it's like, oh, well, maybe it really was, even if the reason that we're knowing about this is kind of silly. Trevor Bauer is the ultimate example of that headline that keeps showing up on Twitter that says, worst person you know made a great point. <laughs> <laughs> like i hate to see trevor bauer vindicated but it appears that all of the annoyances he had where what he thought were good pitches got absolutely crushed um in, in these instances he may have been completely correct that they knew what was coming yeah and i don't know i mean i don't think so mlb put out a statement that said Essentially, that said, you know, like we have found no evidence of technology or anything like that in the end of 2019 or through the 2019 season. But MLB doesn't look for things if they don't already know they're there. Like they, they, they've been shown to be very passive on this. They don't they don't want this stuff to come out. So unless there's proof out in the public that it's out, they're not going to investigate that. Yeah, it's very easy to not find something you're not looking for. I agree. So I think this might not go away. I think that more people might talk about this and they might have to do another investigation. And then after all of that, we get to the point where people just start saying stuff. (laughs) Sure did. (laughs) I don't don't know how else to describe it. There's a point at which everybody gets so riled up that everyone becomes an authority on something. And today's um, regrettable authority here was David Brocious, who is Scott Brocious's son who told us with some outrage that Mike Trout is on HGH through a thyroid medication exemption with MLB. He's not, or at least 
he has no evidence of that but he said it anyway and then he yeah then he backtracked <laughs> but as much as you can i'd like to clear would you like the quote go for it i'd like to clear the air about a comment made earlier this week about mike trout potentially using hdh hgh the word potentially was not in the original quote the statement nope. in question was taken from a conversation where i was explaining how there are certain situation in which actions that would usually be against the rules and considered cheating are deemed okay for medical or other reasons okay i think he should have used the chris davis adhd thing because that's a yep. safe one and uh thus not cheating the example i used of mike trout does not stem from information from my dad Scott Procious, or sources within the MLB, and has no evidence behind it. You don't need to keep going. Because... <laughs> like what? So you just said a thing. That's what you did. You just said something, and then turns out that people will take that that you meant the thing that you said. I, I will say the last sentence of his apology is the best. I had a lapse in judgment when posting the comment, and have learned my lesson on how powerful and dangerous social media can be um if you scratch out social media and you put making stuff up in there i think he's almost got it well then so then trevor bauer there he is again <laughs> worst person he you know <laughs> yeah then he basically repeated it but like his own and then he said that he was misquoted or meant to say if he's doing this that's okay great let's muddy the waters so yeah, then MLB and MLBPA jointly issued a statement that said there are no players taking HGH through a therapeutic use exemption, period. <laughs> so they didn't say Mike Trope, but it's very clear why they said this. <laughs> yeah, that, that was like the hardest swerve to the left I've seen in this whole conversation. Because somehow we got from, from uh, a trash can in the dugout to... <laughs> human growth hormone and the best player in the game i don't know how that detour even happened uh you also wanted to talk about mike clevenger because uh his reaction to this i mean a lot of players reactions has been quite outraged cody bellinger and a couple of other people but you want to talk about clevenger because his is perhaps one of the most animated yeah i mean he's been out there from the beginning of the when this started up and you know basically being really angry about it and and angry, especially that some of the players weren't punished. And there's this video. So uh, I'll put the tweet. Where can I put it? We don't have a post anymore. Um, put this in our left pocket. No. <laughs> yeah. So it, so it's from at watch underscore momentum. That's where you'll find the video where he just goes off. And, you know, the, the, basically, the this is the crux of what he's trying to say. Quote. I don't think any of those mother effers, he obviously swore, should be able to look us in the eye. They should feel ashamed. And he, you know, he went on and talked about how, you know, this cheating, like people think, oh, well, you know, it's basically cheating, Blake, that it costs people money, like people who are or people their jobs in the big leagues. Like there was a there was a thing that came out about five pitchers who in 2017 were immediately sent down after a game where they got shelled by the Astros in Houston. And that's what Clevenger is essentially referring to here, this idea that like people lost their jobs by playing on an uneven playing field. And he's really pissed about it. And he also, in a tweet, essentially said, like, MLB better do something about this with the players. Otherwise, pitchers will. And he will. He said, otherwise, I'm going to get back to the gym. 
you know, essentially saying, I'm going to start throwing real hard fastballs at guys. And I don't support what he's, you know, planning, quote unquote, but I completely understand his outrage. Not as a fan, but as I can understand the position of being a pitcher. Pitching is hard. It's it's an extremely hard job that very few people in the MLB can do. And like he said, that step from AAA to the bigs is a taste of a whole different life. And you're getting that not legitimately. You're getting that stolen from you. Like your pocket has been picked by people who you could be playing alongside in six months. How do you reconcile that in that industry when there's only 800 MLB players in any given year, you know, and there's 40 or 50 of them who play on the Astros and all know that it's, it's not on the up and up. What the heck? (laughs) Yeah. Now, Josh Kuznick, I'm going to mention him again, but he made a very good point about why no players were punished because they were given immunity to testify. And that was really the only way they were going to do this investigation properly and see who was culpable and who knew what. But it does suck that there weren't even fines given out. Like, guys got hurt and, got you know, there's a lot of damage done by players who just, like, completely escaped any culpability whatsoever. Except Kellis Beltran. <laughs> yeah, but he's not a player. He's a manager. He, he was a player at the time. Um, so we're we're back to how do they go forward? It's going to be an awful awkward year, even if people aren't throwing at people, right? Yeah, and I think they will. I think you're going to see some Masters players get hit. I mean, like you said, it's it's sad, and you know, but that's I think that that's going to happen. I think that because the league didn't police the players, the players are going to do it, and. You know, that's un- that's one of the unfortunate side effects of doing things this way. <laughs> Can you see a player in, in from the Astros right before opening day come out with a big checkbook? All right, where do I pay my fine? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, <laughs> don't want to get hit. Where do I pay the fine? Just who do I make it out to to save my rib cage? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, mm. It's a big mess. Be, will they be truly sorry? Or will they just say, hey, we did it. We got the ring. We're going to move on and pretend like nothing ever happened. I think it's going to be the latter. Although I'm also still very curious because the Red Sox punishment hasn't been announced yet. And it probably won't be for a while because they just started that investigation. I don't think this story is going away anytime soon because that one's going to probably come out spring training. And we might hear about lost Red Sox draft picks, lost you know, people losing their job. Although they can't, Dave Dombrowski already got fired, so they can't fire the GM. But I, I don't know. I mean, this and there might be another team, and another. I think this could snowball. So it's kind well, of I, a weird thing. I, I think so because you're you've got player movement, and now you've got MLB tried to turn over one rock. Look at whatever they found under it, scrape it off, put the rock back down, and that was great until Alex Cora moved team. <laughs> Yeah, and then, you know, it was The Athletic that broke both these stories, right? Please and... subscribe. <laughs> We're not affiliated with The Athletic. <laughs> In no way whatsoever. But, uh, yeah, so, I don't know. I, and then, like you said, like, there were a bunch of teams named, including the Blue Jays. And <laughs> this is not going to go well. Ah, All right. Can't wait for that new CBA to start negotiating. 
So, my friend, we come to the winding down of a podcast. Would you have a final thought? Yeah, the Astros Fan Fest is this weekend. <laughs> um, whose tweet was it? Uh, hang on. Hang on. I don't want to steal a joke from the internet. Because I would hate it if somebody stole one of mine. Where's my profile? My likes. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I know. I know. This is taking forever. Just... <laughs> should I? Should I start vamping and just you start? start you start the time? going, and then I will. Uh, I will give you. Oh, your final thought. We... Yeah. So my, my final thought is that their fan fest is tomorrow. That's the whole thing. Not... No, no, but like, and the, it's like we have the Jays, like all this excitement about their fan fest, right? All these players are coming back, new jerseys are being announced. I can't imagine, like, it's the exact opposite that is going on there. And I, how can you go to that event with any kind of excitement for baseball in January, which is what these things are all about? I, I just don't understand how that can happen because everyone's going to be like, what the hell? Like, our team is being dragged left and right. Go Astros. <laughs> Mike Gianella says you don't have to worry about the people attending because no one knows where it is this year because somebody stole all the signs. It's <laughs> <laughs> actually pretty good. It is. It's awesome. Uh, my thought is that, uh, believe it or not, they're still going to induct people into the Hall of Fame shortly, which is what we would normally be talking about at this time of year. Larry Walker is still on the bubble. So if, uh, I mean, all the votes are actually in. But yep. maybe if if you just use the power of thought to give him a couple extra votes from people who are normally curmudgeonly and hold off on voting for people, he'll make it this year. Otherwise, he's going to have to wait like five years for the next Veterans Committee thing to roll around and try and induct him. Yep. All right. So uh, you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem. And I have been... I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010. And this... Has been episode number 164 of Artificial Turf Wars, and we'll talk at you in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm.